Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I had my first experience of having a job and living away from home. Moved to Flint, Alabama, spent the summer in youth ministry. There was a, an older couple there, the Logan family. Cliff had not been a preacher, but he had preached. He had taught classes. And during that summer, he shared with me an idea that he preached and that he had taught. And that idea has stuck with me through all of these years, around this time of the year. Because it was he who said, Mike, remember this, wise men still come. That's a powerful thought. That's a great thought for us to consider. And I want you to consider it with me. You may leave your Bibles in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to be there. And we're going to look at a few verses a little lower in the chapter as well. Our theme for the day, as I said, is wisdom. And then adding the concept of worship this morning. So I want you to consider with me the fact that wise men still come. It is a theme that you have seen now for about a month and a half. And it's a time of the year when everybody is thinking, I appreciate what Ken said earlier. And, and I always remember, we always think about the fact that it is a good thing when people spend time in whatever time thinking about and honoring the name of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and, and we appreciate that. Even Paul said that there were times when people were preaching the name of Jesus for their own profit. And he said, at least the name is being preached. So we can appreciate, even if it seems hypocritical, that people would spend so much time and put up so much pretense about the name of Jesus, and yet it is being done. And for that, we are grateful. First thing that I want us to consider as we think about our theme for the day is the fact that all people everywhere appreciate wisdom. There's nobody who honors, at least not that I've ever heard, no one who honors the dumbest one among us. There are awards for the smartest, the wisest. And we hold up those whom we consider to be wise and we say, follow them and listen to them and, and do what they say. Be involved with them. We appreciate that concept. But we don't ever do the same thing to those we consider to be fools. No country would. Think about how wisdom has been honored in the past. The Greeks had gods that were the gods and goddesses of wisdom. Metis and Athena were, were two female goddesses who, whose main point was that they had wisdom. They even attached to Zeus, their god, the head of their gods, as the wise counselor. And the Romans... Well, the Romans also appreciated wisdom, and they had a goddess by the name of Minerva. 
what is interesting, I think, about that name is the fact that they put a symbol with Minerva for her wisdom. And the symbol was an owl. And isn't that still done today? I was looking for, just to see if I wanted to use any themes on the PowerPoint of wisdom. And when I looked it up on images, I found a whole bunch of different images involving an owl. Because that is still a symbol of wisdom today. You see it in commercials. You see it all over the place. You see, people value wisdom. We appreciate those who through many years and experience and study and habit have become wise. And we value the things that they say. We value their counsel. We uphold their thoughts and their ideas. And we follow those who are wise. Wise men still come because they are wise. The second thing that I want us to notice is that these were wise men who came to see Jesus. There are some points here that I don't know that I have thought about before, and therefore I want to bring them to you concerning the visit of these wise men. Now, you know, as at least I think most of us know, that the wise men did not come to see Jesus while he was there uh, at the place of his birth. They came much later, and they came when he was older. But when they came, I want you to notice these were wise men themselves. I want to look at three things that they said. Look in verse 2. Where is he who has been born? These men who had come were part of a culture who valued not only wisdom, but they valued the observance of the heavens and following and being able to track and to, to know distance and direction through the stars. They were connected to the heavenly bodies as, as a culture of people. And therefore, when this event happened, it just seemed to them something very special. And of course, we don't discount God's involvement in this. But I want you to notice what he said. Where is he who has been born? They did not show up and say, is it true? Has a great birth happened? They made a statement. They were absolutely confident that he had been born. They were apparently then looking for that. And when they came, they just expected, well, I'm sure we'll hear about it because it's a fact. And so we go there. Why did they come to Jerusalem? Well, that was the, the head of the Jewish community. And they thought for sure they would know. Where is he? Who has been born. Number two, notice what they said. Where is he who has been born? King of the Jews. They didn't call him their king. 
They were not thinking of him as the one they were going to be ruled by. But they appreciated the fact that he was born as king of the Jews. And they were willing to admit that and willing to allow that. Maybe they were a part of the mentality that says everybody has his own religion and follows exactly what they want to do. But for some reason, this was a, a much more special birth, and they just had something about them that they knew that this was different than all of the others. I don't know if they would have traveled anywhere else, but here, this king of the Jews had been born, and they came for that purpose, to honor that situation. And they certainly thought, if the king has been born, and we know that he has, then these Jewish people are going to be ready. They're going to be open. They're going to be excited. And we'll get over there and be able to find everything that we need to find this newborn king. Number three, the third thing that they said, we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship. There has been a little bit of controversy concerning the phrase, we've seen his star in the east, as though the star were to the east of them. But that's not the way the text is intended. They were in the east and they saw the star. Being astrologers as they were, observing the heavens as they always did, this star was something that drew them. They were people who believed already that at at great moments of birth and death of great kings, stars appeared. That was a concept that they believed. That's a concept that they lived by. And now, we've seen his star, and we want to see this king. One might wonder, what kind of star was it? I don't have a clue. In fact, when I've read again the, the controversies about the, the star, maybe a comet, maybe a miraculous thing, maybe a real thing. Nobody knows, and God didn't take the time to tell us. Here's an interesting fact that we will consider tonight. When the shepherds saw the great light shining around them, is that the same one? Is that the same light that these wise men saw? And therefore it would be a light connected to angels who were talking to those shepherds? I don't know. But here's what I suspect. Here is what I think, here's what I believe may have been going through the minds of these wise men. They were lovers of truth. When the Jews were taken off into captivity into Babylon and they returned, they also spread out. 
They had been around for a while, and they had spread out to all of the various countries. But especially after when the Assyrians took the Jews, they assimilated them into their culture. They didn't go home. The ones who came back from Babylon, not all of them did, but most of them did. And so the Jews had populated the known world. And in the places where they lived, they had their scriptures. And the Jews were always looking for the new king. They were always looking for the Messiah. Now, today they still look. Because their view of the Messiah or the king was a physical, conquering, army-leading king who would give them their land and fight all of their enemies and let them be the head of everybody, if you will. That's not the kind of king and Messiah that they received. But these wise men, searching the scriptures that the Jews had, came to understand that this was about the time he should be born. If you go back to Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 27, there is a really clear way understanding prophecy from God through Daniel there's a really clear way of seeing that it was understandable why their mindset at this time would have been to look for that star. The text very clearly says that the events that happened in the life of Jesus, at least clearly as I understand it, the events that happened with the birth to the death of Jesus are involved right there in Daniel 9, 25 through 27. And in so doing, they would be able to say, this is a special time. This is the time that the Jews have been talking about for a long time. And I am sure, seems to me, that they would have been curious that the Jews were not as excited about it. You take that passage and combine it with another one that was also in the Jews' word from God. You recall the story of Balaam? And the people of God were fanned out there in the valley and, and a king called on this prophet Balaam. I want you to come and curse them. And Balaam wanted the money that the king was offering, but he also knew that he shouldn't be doing that. You recall the story with Balaam riding on his donkey and the donkey refusing to let him go and eventually talking to him from God. Well, Balaam went on and instead of cursing these people, he blessed them. And then Balaam prophesied about the future. He said, I see him, but not now. I know him, but not nearby. But his star, the scepter, will come. It makes perfect sense to me 
that these men were wise. They appreciated truth. And in their wisdom, they combined the things that the Jews' message had read. Balaam said, his star will appear. Daniel said, here is the time when it is going to happen. And their mindset that a star connected to a king both in birth and death brought all of these things together in a package. And here, the wise men came because they were wise. A final thing that I want you to notice in chapter 2, starting in verse number 10. These wise men came to worship. Our point for today is simply this. Wise men still come to worship Jesus today. Yes, our worship together has been interrupted. For this, we're all saddened. But our worship has not been interrupted unless we have chosen for it to be. For even in the places where you are today, it is possible still to worship. And in daily time of worshiping and honoring God, it is possible and necessary to do but I want you to understand what these people understood, or at least what we can learn from them about wise people who worship Jesus. I want to begin in verse 10. <clears throat> when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Wise men know that worship is a time to be up with joy. Worship is not a time for depression. Worship is not a time that we are saddened or or wishing that we were elsewhere. This is a time of joy. Remember the David one time wrote in the Psalms, I was glad when they said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Does worship make you joyful? Does worship inspire you? Is worship a height of your week, if you will? This time that we have from God set aside for our time of worship should be a time of great joy and great excitement. It is something we want to do, we look forward to. It is a part of us that we just don't want to give up. It's not a checklist that we are simply marking to say that we have done when these men saw the star and came to worship, they were excited. They were joyful. As it relates to the situation in which we find ourselves, are you looking forward to the time when we can come here and be together and worship? I hope that you have 
found joy in worship where you are. But I hope <clears throat> that you have not found satisfaction with that. That's enough for you. I'll just stay there from now on. I'll just have my worship time here. I hope that that's not you. I hope that you are more like the racehorse in the gate, waiting for the gate to open, anxious to come back. Because the joy of worship and the joy of worshiping together is from God. Number two, when these wise men came, verse 11, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. These men knew that worship is a time to fall down with humility. <clears throat> Worship reminds us that we are sinful creatures. Worship reminds us that God has given us everything that we have. And we should be humble. And we humble ourselves. The word in the Greek that is most example of what really is going on in worship is the word proskuneo. This word means literally to fall down before and kiss toward. Worship is a time when the people of God, the children of God, humble themselves before their God and worship it is a time to set aside the world. It is a time to set aside ourselves, and it is a time to present ourselves to God. Humility is a part of worship. It's, hum it's humility that makes us appreciate what we have because God has provided these men, wise men, in in their worship, understood the factor of humility when they fell down. Number three, and when they opened their treasures, <clears throat> they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men knew that worship is a time to reach out with treasures. In worship, we reach out to God through our participating in worship. We sing, we pray, we open Scripture and study together. We have, as we've done, a memory of Christ in the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> and certainly the idea of giving in worship is extremely clear in the fact that we give of our money. Worship is a time of giving our time. It's a time to give who we are and present ourselves. We reach out with the treasures of ourselves to our God in worship. And these wise men understood that's what worship was for. 
Finally, number four, verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. From these men we learn that wise men understand. They know that worship is a time when you leave to have greater resolve. Yes, God was involved in these men coming to see Jesus. God, in the way He does things, He doesn't always tell us the details. But we see from what happens what might be the way He is working. We call it providential. The mindset of these men already concentrating in their culture on the heavenly bodies and already concerned about wisdom and truth. God, using who they were and who they are, naturally, providentially, brought them to the place where He wanted them to be. But they respected God. They understood, they believed in dreams, and they believed that this was the God of heaven. It may very well be. But they had the mindset that the God of heaven is the God of everyone. The Jews worship this way, and the Greeks worship this way, and we worship this way. But it's the same God. That's maybe their thought. But when God told them what to do, they immediately obeyed. You see, when we worship God, and we're together or wherever we are in the time of worship, when it is time to leave, we leave with a new resolve. We have been at the feet of God. And we have been again reminded of His awesomeness and His greatness And that should give us great resolve moving forward to say, I'm going to do better tomorrow because of my experience in worship today. I'm going to do better tomorrow. That should be an outgrowth of our time of worship. The the whole concept of worshiping and being together is helpful in that way. We call oftentimes when we get together on a Wednesday, we call it, the time when we get re-energized for the rest of the week. Sunday has energized us until that time, and then we recharge for the rest of the week. That's often the reference because in worship to God, we find new resolve for the life that is ahead. Truly today, I think we can all understand wise men still come. I hope that you are wise. And if you are a wise person, you will be like these men in Scripture and trying to glean from it what it says. God uses the wisdom of the world to show that they're not very wise, 1 Corinthians 1. But He also tells us That if you want wisdom, ask of God who gives to all men. James chapter 1. If you want to be wise from God, God's told us what to do. You want to be wise about salvation? Jesus died for you. 
Jesus lives for you. And he left for you this way through belief in him that draws you to him to decide to be different and to be immersed into Jesus Christ. This wisdom leads to salvation. And if we in time of worship or in time of personal study come to realize we're not doing exactly as we should, we can be led to the wise decision to change, to be better, to do more. I hope that you will continue to be one of the wise men who still comes. Thank you for joining us today. May God bless our country, our church, and each one of us as we strive to be wise men before God. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.